You are listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals, and we're going to talk today about compliance, how and why our patients don't stick to their treatment programs. Problem is that patients may or may not tell us how many or how much of our prescriptions they've taken. And today we're going to talk to a physician who decided to learn the truth about the all-too-human behavior of missing meds. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Stephen Feldman, who is Professor of Anatomic Pathology, Dermatology, and Public Health Sciences at Wake Forest Medical Center, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for having me, Michael. We all know it's happening. We all know the patients miss medications, but you proved it in a study that you did with what I call rigged medication bottles. Can you tell us about the study? Describe it for us. One of my research colleagues who was here, Raj Balkrishnan, who's now at Ohio State, had done research with kids with asthma and diabetes. And one day he mentioned to us, oh, yeah, there's this company that makes these medicine bottles that record what patients use. They don't just record the number of times you open the bottle. They record the day and time the bottles are opened. As soon as I heard that, I, I turned to my research fellow and said, we got to get a hold of some of those. Go and order them. I don't care what they cost. We need to see what our psoriasis patients are doing. We happened to be doing a study where we were giving the patients topical 6% salicylic acid gel to put on their psoriasis twice a day. So we told the patients, here, put this on twice a day. We're going to monitor your use of it. So fill out this diary for us and bring the bottles back for us to weigh. So we told them we were going to monitor them. They may have thought it was through their diaries. And in their diaries, they told us they use their medicine religiously, twice a day. But when you look at what the computer chip said, it said that the first day they got the medicine, they used it. But then over time, their use of the medicine went down steadily. In fact, just over the first four days, it dropped by 40%. And then it continued going down by about 20% every five weeks. At that rate, it would have gone down to zero at six months. Well, how often did you see the patients back? In this study, we saw them back about every two weeks. And when we looked at the data for their compliance, it seemed that every two weeks their compliance would go up a little bit. And I think this is a, what I like to call the dental floss phenomenon. Maybe in the literature is the white coat effect, but I think most of us are familiar with how people floss a little bit more often before we go see the dentist. And our patients will use their medicine a little bit more right before those office visits in a clinical study. You're a professor of public health sciences. Go back before this study. What, what got you interested in this in the first place? It wasn't just a wow, I'm sure, when you saw the bottles. There must have been something before that. Yes, I got hired here at Wake Forest to be the test tube research scientist for the department. They gave me just a half a day a week of clinic, Friday afternoon, of course, told me to run the, the basic science lab. I took over our psoriasis treatment center after being here for a year and wasn't very good at getting my psoriasis patients clear. In fact, the ones with scalp psoriasis never cleared up. It was so bad it made me feel inadequate as a dermatologist. And eventually I realized, you know, the only reason the scalp's not getting better is because patients must not be using their medicines. In fact, I lectured at a patient advocacy meeting, the National Psoriasis Foundation meeting, on scalp psoriasis. And this whole room of people, you know, I started off my lecture, scalp psoriasis is so frustrating. I started with that because it was my way of reaching out and letting them know I was an empathetic, caring doctor. And they all nodded in agreement. And then I said, you know, it's frustrating for us dermatologists too because we like to see our patients get well. And scalp psoriasis just never gets better. And they all nodded in agreement. And then I said to them, you know, I think I know why it's not getting better. And they looked at me, why? And I said, because you all aren't putting the medicine on your heads. 
there was this grand catharsis. Yes, it's true. I've been lying to my doctor all this time. So when we had the opportunity to actually study quantitatively patients' adherence, it was an opportunity I felt I couldn't miss. When we learn in medical school, if you have a patient with gonorrhea, they don't take their antibiotics. Now, you know they want to get rid of their gonorrhea. You'd think they would take their pills, but they don't. Conditions that are chronic, um, whether it be putting topical therapy on psoriasis or long-term management of hypertension or cholesterol, patients are going to be much worse at, at using their medicine in that situation. Why do you think gonorrhea patients wouldn't take their medication? I think people just forget. It's not part of their routine. I get a little acne, and I wanted to see how well topical tretinoin worked. I told myself, okay, I'm going to put it on every day and then take before and after pictures. And I put the, the tube on top of my toothbrush because I brush my teeth religiously every night, and I knew I wouldn't forget that way. So I picked up the tube of medicine, moved it to the side to brush my teeth, thinking I'll put medicine on after I brush my teeth. And then I went to bed and forgot. You know, it's it's so easy, since it's not part of our routine, to forget and let things pass by. Steve, I do the same thing. It seems I'm less compliant on vacations. I take my Zocor, I stick it in a bottle, and it always comes home with me. And I have no idea why, why I just don't take it. It's very interesting. So you're a dermatologist, so am I. Does this data translate out into every other field, or is it just psoriatic patients? Oh, I think unquestionably it translates out. The advantage of, that we have with skin disease is people look at their skin and they say, oh, this is horrible, I need to do something. They may not know what their blood pressure is on a day-to-day basis, and so it may be even easier for them to forget to take their blood pressure pills. One of the things I've found that helps me get the patients better is to let them see that the medicine works. If they go for a while and, and, and use the medicine kind of intermittently and never see improvement, they, they're never going to stick with it. If I show them that a medication actually will help their scalp, they clear right up. In fact, one of the neat things about scalp psoriasis is it turns out it's one of the easiest forms of, of disease to control. Here I was giving patient treatment after treatment, telling people come back in eight weeks, and they would never get better. And now I, I offer them the same treatments, tell them to use it for three or four days, and bam, they clear right up. And I think it's a lot like treating an alcoholic. If you told an alcoholic, hey, I want you to quit alcohol for the rest of your life, see you back in a year, there's just no way. It, psychologically, they can't handle it. But if you tell them, well, you need to quit for the rest of today, that's something much more manageable. I think that's key. Let's go back to your study for a second, and I want to ask a question that I've always thought about from your study. You use 6% salicylic acid. Now, that's not the most effective antipsoriatic medication. Do you think that compliance goes up if a medication is fabulously effective or if it makes you feel good, or if it has some really immediate positive result? I know you kind of answered that in the last answer, but if something was really great, do you think patients would keep using it? Well, in research studies, it's, it's really tough because, at least in dermatology, when we clear something up, it's okay for the, med- the patient to stop the medication. If we cleared up psoriasis with a potent cortisone medicine, rather than have the patient continue to use the cortisone and get side effects, we just assume they taper off. So when we do these studies, if they clear up just in the first few days, they may become non-compliant because they no longer have disease. So it's a little bit of a mix. But I think in clinical practice, if you give them something that works slow, as we saw oh, about 12 years ago when the topical vitamin D analog first became available in the United States, if, if you give them something that works slow and they don't see if efficacy in the first few days, they're not going to use it. it. It reminds me of getting through the, you know, in, in America, we want things done right away. 
And when I get in the drive-thru line at McDonald's for my lunch, if I don't have my lunch really fast, I start to get diaphoretic and tachycardic. I want it now. And I think a lot of our patients want to see benefit now. So slow-acting things, it's really hard to get them to do it. Translate this out for beyond dermatology, for instance, on pain medication. Patients are going to take their pain medication until the pain goes away. Isn't that kind of an advantage? Because if people stop using their medication, they're not going to overuse them. Is that correct? I think we have a much bigger problem with underuse than we do with overuse. There's a natural break on overuse of medications because of poor compliance. It's, it's helpful in that sense when we're trying to protect ourselves from side effects. Why do you think patients don't tell us? Give us, give us a couple of quick reasons why they don't tell us. Are they, are they embarrassed? Are they, are they scared of us? Yes, I think they think of us as their parents, as their father, and they're loath to, to admit to their parent in that situation that they've been less than a perfect child. Mm -hmm. And how can we as doctors avoid that? When I was learning to take an alcohol history, they told me, don't ask people, do they drink or not? Don't ask them, how many beers do you have on a weekend? They asked, they taught me, you know, how many cases do you go through is, is an appropriate way to ask. Because then if the patient's doing less than that, they can proudly say, oh, I'm only drinking two six-packs on the weekend. So I, I think that's a lesson that we can learn for other medications. We might say, so, um, instead of saying, so, are you taking your pills every day? We might say, most people only seem to take their medicines once or twice a week. How often do you take it? How about asking the open-ended question, like how'd you do with the medication? I think if you just ask an open-ended question, people will openly lie to you. They uh how well have you been taking your medicine? They would probably say, oh, doctor, I've been taking it religiously, just like you said. And they probably lie right, right to your face. I think you need to give them a sense that what they're doing is good. You can do that by asking the question in such a way that you leave it open to them to give you a fairly low number and still be proud of how they're doing. Another thing you can do is you can quantitatively measure what they're doing. You can do a pill count. Now, if you give somebody a medicine that they're supposed to take once a day for 30 days, and you write the prescription for 30 pills, when they come in in one month, the pill bottle will be empty, and you will have no idea whether they took their medicine or whether they dumped it in the toilet. But if you gave them, say, 45 pills for that 30-day period, then you could count and see if there's 15 pills left. I am Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. We value your comments and questions and welcome suggestions for future shows. Please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And we truly thank you for listening.